On today's episode of Footy Weekly, Arsenal's front four score four. The sun goes down on Spurs. Liverpool sneak out of Spur at uh, a Norwich with a win. Chelsea struggle at the Bridge, and Man City, they're banned for the Champions League for two seasons. Banned Damn City, right. baby. Damn right. Oh, Man that's City. a good one. <laughs> I'm your host, Liverpool supporter Andrew Scanlon, and as always, I'm joined by my brother and fellow Red, Stephen Scanlon. Steven, thanks for coming on today. I know you're not feeling well, and uh, Liverpool has been playing like shit, so I think those two coincide together. Yeah, I think that's what it is. I caught whatever Liverpool had yesterday uh, against Atletico, <laughs> but hey, t- t- tough week for the Reds, but you know we'll bounce back. Not too worried about it, but um, yeah, sh- uh, exciting week for the Prem there otherwise. I'm also joined by Arsenal supporter Shane Samuel. Shane, it's been a little while. What's going on, man? Yeah, it has. You know, uh, I felt like I haven't potted in a while. Looking forward to this podcast. Um, you know, Arsenal had a terrific weekend, so it should be an exciting pod. Terrific weekend for the Gunners. And finally, we're joined by recurring guest Carlito Esposito from the London is Calling podcast. Talk to me, Carlito. Oh, I'm just the host with the best Chelsea podcast in the fucking land. How's it going, <laughs> y'all? If Fantastic. how Liverpool goes is how Steven goes, I hope he has a staff infection. That's what I want. <laughs> oh, boy. Comes out swinging. Wouldn't expect that boy. Yeah, buddy. Uh, oh, we, thanks for having me, guys. Looking uh, forward to it. Always a pleasure. We have a great show for you all tonight, so let's get right into it with Carlito's favorites, Liverpool League leaders. Uh, they were away to Norwich over the weekend. Um, 1-0 for Liverpool on this one. It took a late Mane goal, and that's 12 for him on the season now. But overall, I thought it was a poor showing by the Reds. They looked sloppy. They looked rusty after a long break. Most of them had about uh, 10 days off. You know, they're going to Miami. They're going to Dubai. They're going to L.A. Uh, a lot of travel there as well. But got to give it to Norwich. They defended well. They had that low block. They um, they, they just played a great game. So I, you know, we all know that we don't want to see them relegated, but it uh, looks to be that way again. But um, Steven – Tough game for Liverpool, and overall, kind of a tough week. Yep, definitely a tough week, and I think it's a lot to do with you know the that two week layoff, like you said, getting back into it, and yeah, you know Norwich likes to attack, and I think that's a that's one way you can beat Liverpool is trying to make them make mistakes, and we definitely made a couple, and they they held their own in the, in the midfield, and I think that's why it was such a good game um, going into the second half. Once Mane and Fabinho came on, though, I thought the game completely changed. Um, having their class come on and Mane, God, we needed his um, you know, offensive skills up front. Beautiful goal. Uh, we'll take it, and uh, we'll take the few points. Yeah, I think he got away with a slight push there, but I'll clearly take that. Uh, but, no, you're definitely right. When, when Fabinho came on and when Mane came on, the game clearly changed. Fabinho was pushing the tempo, and, and Mane just kind of attacked, attacked, attacked. So. Yeah, um, but I think the biggest thing for me, though, was um, and the entire story of this week, in my opinion, is is how bad Trent was Trent was in both games. Uh, agreed. Going, going forward, his delivery was mm-hmm. off. And um, it was, <laughs> I mean, even in the, in the Champions, Champions League game against Atletico, he was trying to play some crosses in, and he was hitting them over, over the net. Uh, really sloppy from him, definitely missing his offensive, um, you know, creativity right now. And it's definitely showing with zero shots aren't targeted against Atletico as well. Yeah, I'm wondering if the Cafu comments are finally getting to his head. You know, Cafu came out and said that uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold could become a Ballon d'Or winner at some point in his career. And, uh, I mean, maybe Jesus. that kind of thing is getting to his head. Yeah. 
What the uh, fuck is that? But Carl, I want to go to you, a guy that's been kind of on our radar for a while now, at least this season, has been Todd Mm. Cantwell. Um, What are your thoughts on him? Oh, I I absolutely love him. He's sublime. And the thing was, is I know who he is, but two touches in, I was like, oh, oh. And and I'm not going to brag, but when you've coached for a while, you can tell if a player's good after just a couple of plays. So you really can. It's the way he receives the ball. It's the way he moves off the ball. It's whether he's receiving it with his head up, head down, all of it. And he's such a smooth operator. He plays with such bounce. He's, he's what I consider to be a better version of Billy Gilmore. He's a more advanced version of Billy Gilmore. Todd Cantwell, he's actually on the radar of Liverpool. And yep. for – very, very good reason he was on it. And the great thing about great players is that they lift up everyone else around them. He is certainly no exception to that rule. And I was thoroughly impressed. One thing I want to say, Jordan Henderson's ball to Mane was exquisite. Yeah, dude. Fucking mint. That guy doesn't get enough credit. I'm always going to praise Hendo. He's my fifth best player, my fifth favorite player. And when he when he does something great, I'm always going to praise him. That was the shit. The push-off, I mean, he pushed off more than uh, Fred did on the back of Estelacueta. That's another story for another day. Oh, we're going to um, get to that. Oh, we are, absolutely. But with Todd Cantwell, I think that's something that if you guys want to move forward as a midfield, maybe not as a starter, but as a depth player, he is certainly – a great option if that's the way you want to go. No, nah, he he'll probably start for Liverpool though. If if, if, if Liverpool buys him, he start because part of the problem we saw with Liverpool this week, as Stephen mentioned earlier, the reliance on Trent and Robinson exposed the create the need for a creative midfielder. In Todd Catwell, you have someone who can receive the ball, drop in his spaces, and play that little pass. And mm-hmm. the pass would Firmino, Mane, and Salah, and mm-hmm. as Jordan Henderson because. Henderson, Juan Allium, they're all athletic midfielders. They, they do have skill, but none of them has that intricate through ball. But, but the, the, the advantage that they possess is the midfield for Liverpool often scores. But when they're off, then the whole things fall apart. So getting a player like Cantwell or anyone else, as a matter of fact, would just give them that extra creativity for days like we saw against Atletico Madrid. Well, with, with Liverpool, their main... Modus operandi is not their midfield. Correct. It's not really their emphasis. Is obviously is bombing down the flanks, as well as playing early longer balls uh, diagonally and up the wing. So midfield is, is more their second option. It's not their biggest strength. Yeah. Adding someone like Todd Cantwell would absolutely make them more well-rounded. Correct. And probably like a top three team ever. Um, but that's, again, I would still say Arsenal, the Invincibles as well as Real Madrid of three years ago. Yeah, but, so. but Shane, going off of your comments, um, I think that was the reason Liverpool purchased Nabi Keita and Alex Oxlade Chamberlain and Minamino. So, I mean, these are three guys that the in that role. The only guy who could play that role is Minamino. The problem with players like Ox, right? Ox is a running man. He's a driving midfielder. He moves with the ball. Yeah. And, and Ox has been hampered by injuries so much in his career, he's never been able to take it to the next level. Like, he shows flashes of his goal-scoring ability. He scores flashes of his skill. But he hasn't had a continued run in any team. True. So he's not been able to really own his skills. So, uh, Naby Keita might come into that. But the problem, again, with players like Naby Keita is 
he needs to be playing. Yeah. And and he's when had a lot of injuries playing. as well. Correct. And and when he's not playing, he looks awful the first game he comes back. And then the second game he gets back into him by the third game, you can see his quality there. But he struggles for consistency too. Um if he can get a third game. Correct, correct. And 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 in a team as good as Liverpool, you're gonna end up being like Adam Lalana or Shakiri where you see very limited action. Right. Yeah, no, the that's prob- definitely the concern. Yeah, go ahead, Stephen. Yeah, I mean, I think the problem with going into the transfer market and like tr- not getting a guy for this position in the past is Klopp really values you know the three guys that started in the Champions League game because of their value defensively. Like that's what our midfield is for is for winning the ball back and then getting the ball out you know to our wings and then moving up. Um, but I think that's kind of why he wasn't afraid to sell Coutinho. And that was one of my criticisms when we had Coutinho was he's so great going forward, but he obviously zero defensively, especially on a pressing standpoint. So I think we're being patient when trying to select the right person for that. And maybe it's Timo Werner is actually coming and have him play the nine. And then you pull Firmino, Firmino back because even times against even times against Norwich, he was backed by Van Dyke, you know, getting the ball. So maybe that's the solution because Klopp trusts Firmino. Or maybe they're still evaluating somebody to bring in in the summer. Yeah, Shane, here's a question for you. Do you think Naby was a good purchase? I mean, he had a lot of hype when he was at Leipzig, um, but he seems to have fallen a little short now that he's at Liverpool. Yeah, yeah, def- definitely he was a good buy because I think Liverpool paid less than market value for him the year before. And, yep. the, fact, and the fact that Liverpool midfield is so deep, they've given him time just to the English game. So Liverpool really don't need him to be at his best as yet because the midfield is so good and he can be developing in a competitive team. On top of that, I think he's just 25 years of age. He's not. He's almost 29. Are you sure? Is not 29. He is sure? almost 29. I, I'm 100% sure. Carl. Um, Navi is not 29. That's, that's factually inaccurate. Nabi was born, I think, 96 and 95. He's 25 right now. 25. So, he, he just yeah. turned 25. Oh, fuck off. Are you serious? Yeah, yep, yeah. yep, exactly. I'm thinking so, of someone else then. I'm thinking of someone else. Sorry, guys. Yep, yep. Uh, yeah. Th- thank you for apologizing for being wrong. <laughs> I have no problem apologizing for being wrong. I'm not a scam one. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> That's your second oh, swing, yeah. man. That's your second swing. That is my second swing. You're damn right. I got one more. Yeah, so so yeah, Nabiketa's twenty-five. He continued developing and he will become a very important player for Liverpool in the long run. If you look at Liverpool's midfield as well, I think they're gonna let Lalana walk away for free. Yep. So you have Cater, well, you have one Alum, you have Henderson. What, what was the name of the new guy that Liverpool just bought from the um uh, you know? from Germany? Yeah. So you, have him, you have him, you have Ox, you have Fabino. So that's a stat midfield right there. And Nabiketa probably one of the best players in the Prem for the next four or five seasons. So. Yeah, my my only thing with Todd Cantwell, and I mean, I love uh-huh. the player, but I just don't know if he would start in that lineup. But oh, he will. He's, you think he he's, would start? If you if you look at the way Norwich City plays, right? Norwich City is bottom of the table. But yet, their ball retention is really good. Their transition mm-hmm. game is really good. And he, he wins when he wins a ball, the first thing he does... As Carl said, you can tell he's a quality player. He stands up, his head is always yep. up, and he always makes the one or two touch pass and then moves yep. into space. So I have no doubt in a team like Liverpool, he probably improved tenfold and, and become more. 
Yeah, and he's also 21, so I mean, he's yeah, had plenty of time to improve even more. But yep. um, that's enough time on the Reds. Let's move hold on. on hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I just want to qu- clarify how much he cost to go to Liverpool. So here's, here's the total right here. 71.5 no six, okay so 66 total and that's in USD okay i don't know yeah, if that's like 50 considered i don't know if that's considered below market value shane but it, that's it, my opinion carl's it, coming it, back cuz he was oh, wrong earlier oh, oh, so, 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 <laughs> the reason why it's considered below market value is if they had waited until the next year he would have cost upwards of 90 million so yeah, they got him on a discount. After him too. Yep. Correct. So, Carl, again, you're wrong. Two okay, so Mateo Kovacic costs 35. You're saying he's better than Mateo Kovacic? Nobody, uh, I can... Nobody said Nobody. that. There, there you go. Two are nowhere related, and you're just making foolish arguments at this point, Carl. Accept the market, market value right now uh-huh. at transfer market U.S. is mm-hmm. 71.5 million U.S. dollars. That is his market value right now. Which is cheap for a player of his quality. It's not. Picture him on Arsenal. All right, well, let's move on to City West Ham. Um, City West Ham was played today. It was postponed last weekend due to Mm. torrential storm. I forget what the storm's name is called. But uh, they won 2-0 today. Goals by Rodri and KDB. KDB has eight goals and 18 assists now. For me, he's still wow. league leader for player of the year. But um, this was an easy win for City. I didn't watch it, but I, one thing I heard was that the stadium at the Etihad was like half empty, mainly due to the postponement, but still pretty funny to call it the empty head. Um, 78 possession. Empty head. 78% possession uh, for City. Oh, 20 shots, seven on target. West Ham, zero shots on target. So maybe that City defense did play. Decently well, but Carl, let's, let's start with you. Um, Ban City, as we call them. Yeah, man, you are all about the puns tonight. Shit, Dr. Seuss in this bitch. Um, okay, <laughs> so let's break this down. And Shane, by all means, interject whenever you want to. But really, <laughs> <laughs> really, let's let's just look at it in the most simple terms. You're allowed a certain amount of money. If you win more, you're allowed a certain amount more money that you're given. If you overspend and you don't balance your books, you're in uh, you're in violation of FFP. So what City would do is they'd go out and spend between fifty and eighty million on every player that they now have on four it's left like, backs. It's unfucking believable <laughs> how many players they bought between that window of fifty million and eighty million. So when someone looks at that from the outside looking in, they're going to say, oh, man, they never they never spent Neymar money on one player. No, but they did on three. And when you spend that amount of money on, like, 12 players, it doesn't add up. Man City has been a regional team since its inception. It was never as big as Man United. The fan base was never as big as Man United's or Real Madrid's or Barcelona's. So everybody started wondering, how... Are they in compliance with FFP? Where is all this money coming in from besides their winnings? How are they able to balance their books? Well, it turns out they weren't balancing their books. They were fudging their books. They were not on the up and up. And honestly, it was a red flag from the start when the owner's brother is the U, uh, United Arab Emirates president and the owner himself is the deputy prime minister of the UEA or UAE. 
That should not be allowed where you have a state-sponsored team. That's obscene. And you know that corruption is going to flow through that shit. And you know what? They're guilty of sin. And UEFA, man, they need to swing big because if they – if they pull like a Nancy Pelosi with the whole Trump thing and they don't have enough evidence, I'm telling you, they don't have enough evidence. This is going to look so bad going forward with FFP regulations because it will carry no clout. UEFA has to get this right. And if they have a bunch of smoking guns, then they're going to get it right. But if they didn't, I don't think they would have pulled this move. I Carl, think the city is absolutely guilty. Carl, so you made two important points, right? And I think we should clarify for our listeners what is financial fair play. Go ahead. Financial fair play, as you hinted to, is to prevent clubs from financial doping. And yeah. financial doping is exactly what Man City did. In this situation, Man City refused to present proof of their sponsorships to UEFA for them to carry out their investigation. Mm-hmm. So essentially, Man City did not comply. Before we get into the specifics with Man City, let's speed it back to 2005 when Roman Abramovich took over Chelsea. When Roman take over, okay, 2003, I stand corrected. When he took yeah. over Chelsea, oh, three, he, oh, four, like that, yeah. he, he, he invested his own money, right? Mm-hmm. He invested his oh. own money and he declared that he's investing his own money. Yes. What he was able to do and why Chelsea avoided any sanctions over that period of time, even though they spent exorbitant amounts of money, is because they were honest and, and said the money came from him and he proved that. Over yeah, but time, Jane, Jane, weren't the rules different back then? I don't think financial fair play was in effect. They were, they were much different. Yes. So, so, so that's part of why the rules were adjusted. Right. So mm-hmm. as time went on, and Chelsea had all those young players, and that's part of the reason why Chelsea sold players like Oscar to China yeah. Yeah. in order to make sure that they They're were constantly incompatible. loaning out players. Correct. That, because the, there's um, a lot of reasons. Yeah. The key to um, financial fair play is. Clubs need to balance the books for football-related expenditure, so that includes transfer and wages, television and ticket income, and revenue yep. raised by commercial departments. Um, the only thing that exempts from fair play is stadium costs, training facilities, youth development, and community projects. Those things are not those. Fair. Those would be considered business expenses, right? Just Correct. write-offs. Correct. Yeah. Exactly. Those are those are what we call regular overhead. No matter what league you're in, whatever you're playing in you will have to um, incur those expenses. So, so what Man City would do, as Carl mentioned, they have that, this, the state funding and they would create these ridiculous sponsorship deals in order to justify their income. Through Abu Dhabi, right? Correct. And, yeah. and, they, would, and they would make up these different sponsorships each year in order to, quote-unquote, justify their income. Mm-hmm. Now, the problem they face is if they had went in and said, yes, we breached it, um, here's what we thought, we made a mistake, they probably would have got a slap on the wrist. The problem is Man City lied. And on top of lying, they released an interview earlier today where they interview themselves. <laughs> and and, and they interview themselves and call the judges, the investigators, the financial fraud experts, everyone involved in the investigation, they basically call them unreliable. And it's really appalling that they're the one who are in violation, but they're calling the judges unreliable. And that's a tactic often used by politicians. But it's really that he has the, the lack of class that they would go that low in order to question that. It's almost arrogant as well. Yeah, exactly, exactly. There's a lot of arrogance with it. And, and, and on top of that, 
a blind man can see that that city has definitely financially dope because they had losses of more than 200 million. Yeah. And then, and, and they're then, only allowed and, up to 50 million, right? Or something like that. 80 million. Correct. And, and, and on top of that, Carl mentioned they bought about four pullbacks upwards of $40 million. And those pullbacks are also on 150 to $200,000 per month per week. Sorry. And we clubs like Arsenal, Arsenal had to sell Olivier Giroud in order to complete the Aubameyang deal to complete with financial fair play because Correct. another regulation within financial fair play is your your wages year over year can only raise by, I think, 5 to 6%. So so you have to make sure that you release players. And, and that's part of why getting rid of Jack Wilshere, Danny Welbeck, um, what was the right-back name again, the, the French right-back that Arsenal had, they had to get rid of those players in order to make sure they balance the book. So Sanya. Sa- yeah, yeah, the Sanya. And, uh, no, it, it was after Sanya. Um, Debushi, Mati Debushi. Debushi, and then Murtisaka retired. So that's like five players that freed up $600,000 that allowed Arsenal to be in compliance because they would have violated the year-over-year amount, especially after missing out on Champions League sponsors. And um, the interesting thing is... Um, Man City, their, their funding for a sponsorship deal was about $8 million, but they declared it at $67.5 million. Wow. So, so those, are, those, are shell, those are just shell companies. Right. right. No, well, well the, the, the money basically came from Sheikh Mansour. Like, no, the money came that, from his but partner. Really, but, of course, it was somewhere else where it came from. Carl, you're right. It was basically it was a shell. Yeah, it was a shell corporation. So, yeah. what it, really, if we're going to break this down in the most simplest terms, they were allowed to buy more players at a higher value, at a higher price, and higher wages than anyone else could when they're not supposed to. So they fielded an illegal team. End of story. Correct. End of story. Okay. We, we if anybody's confused about this, we will break it down like that. They spent a hell of a lot more money than they said they did, and they made a hell of a lot less than they said they did. And they felt they uh, fielded an illegal team, and they've been doing it for a couple of years, maybe even longer than a couple of years. And therefore, the championships that they won, they should be invalidated. They should be not. They should not be given. Which Steven said the other day, and I agree with him. They should not be given to the second place team. There should be a vacated champion for those years. The Man City won anything. Well, if Steve, they have been found guilty of those years with yeah. fielding an improper team. Steven, what do you think of all this? Being a Liverpool supporter, do you think that Man City should be stripped of their titles? Do you agree with Carlito there? Yeah, yeah. We talked about it on his podcast earlier this week, actually. So I appreciate you having me on, Carl. But um, yep. I mean, yeah, I um, <clears throat> no, I, I think that – I mean, I don't know, man. It, it depends what happens with this appeal, right? So if the, if the appeal stands – and nothing changes, then, yeah, I think you have to honestly take a look at it. And if you decide to go that way, put your foot down and do it because, I mean, look look what's happening to the Houston Astros stuff right now. Like, everyone's right. giving them crap for not doing enough. So, like, if you really want to send a message, you do too much and then, you know, bring it back a little bit the next time around. So, I'm all yeah, down the old- for taking it away. And then, like Carl said, do a vacated title. Um, I, I think that's the best way to do it. The only issue that I have is I think that even if Man City do lose the appeal, there are several other court systems. I forget what they're called, but they can run them through 
so many different court systems. Yeah, appeals. It, it, it's just appeals courts. Right, but I forget the other court systems. Like one's for all of Europe, one's for whatever else. There's a, there's a ton of them, and they can just keep going and going and going until they finally get this right. I mean, they're going to spend so much money on this, it's going to be ridiculous. Yeah, well, I'm sure they're going to say they spent a lot more than they really are going to. Here's the thing, though. <laughs> True. Cass, Court of Arbitration for Sport, it's this body for all sports, not just for football. It's right. in Switzerland. It's just like this random building in the countryside. It doesn't look like a court at all. And what Cass wants to do is they want to expedite this process. If Man City prolongs this, they can play Champions League next season. It is within the best interest of Cass, if they really want to do UEFA solid, they want to expedite this process and get a ruling one way or the other quickly. And by quickly, I mean by July. That's the goal. Yep. That's what they said, that that's the goal is for the summer. Oh, and by the way, perfect example with the Astros. Look at what Manfred said last week, and look what he's having to deal with today. The big lead is asking for him to resign because there are so many people, players, managers, former players, former managers, coming out publicly and saying, fuck the Astros. They deserve to have their championships vacated, and all this public pressure is now being put on Manfred because he didn't do enough. If there is a... If there is something going on at Cass where they do not do enough, you will see a public outcry from so many different corners of European football. It will be like the bubonic plague of complaining. But Carl, if you flash back to 2011, Arsene Wenger highlighted that City was doping then. City and Barcelona. Because when Barcelona bought Neymar, it's the same thing they did. Mm. I'm happy you brought that up, actually, considering what we saw in Twitter. Uh, I saw Pep say today. Yep. Oh, oh, yeah. Great that was a huge Great example. Exactly. Huge well, well, yeah, because there's so much going on with Santos besides just Santos. There was third-party buyers going on in this. Yeah, which, 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 which is illegal for European teams. Yes. European teams cannot purchase players from third parties. So Santos was supposed to buy Neymar out, and then they buy him from Neymar. But Barcelona, oh, no, Barcelona served a ban, though. Yeah, they, they, they did, but they also violated because... Look at Barcelona's wage bill, and when you add Neymar to that, they were in direct violation year over year of the fluctuation in wages. Yeah, yeah. But Barcelona have Messi, so they're given a they're given a pass. What yep. did, what did Barcelona come out and say <laughs> about Man City? Um, the president had a comment. Yeah. About about UEFA, and he basically praised UEFA for their stance in banning City and fining them. Right. And then Pep was like, "Not so fast, buddy." I know the stuff you yeah, guys do over for there. For those so. of you who didn't hear Pep's quote, he just came out today. He said, I, uh, this is about Barcelona, Pep's talking about. I don't know if they spy on me, but they know me. It's not necessary to spy on me. Don't talk too loud, Barcelona. That's my advice because everybody is involved in situations. We're going to appeal, and hopefully in the future, we can play in the Champions League against Barcelona. Yeah, but to just to finalize this point, Shane, remember Barcelona and Atletico Madrid as well. They still did serve bans, and I feel like part of that, part of the reason that that went away, was because they were probably a little more cooperative than Man, Man City was. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So I mean, look, this is about UEFA sticking it to them for uh, Man City's just brazen arrogance and stubbornness Correct. and inability to even comply to the slightest. Well, Stephen, last last question to you, and then we'll move on from this. We've been spending like fifteen minutes on it, which is great. No, but it's so fascinating. Oh, it's awesome! It's awesome. <laughs> yeah. uh, Pep came out and said that he is going to stay. He doesn't care. He's going to stay and see this out with his team. 
I think I saw that Raheem Sterling said he was going to stay. Do you think any players will leave? Um, I think, I mean, again, I think it, it depends on what the what happens this summer. If they get a verdict that it's going to stand, um, then I think you might see a couple people leave. But I don't think it's going to be like a max exodus type of thing. Like even Sterling kind of said, like they want to come back and like, you know, like prove people wrong and whatever, do the whole chip on their shoulder thing. So, you know, they probably want to have another go at the, you know, Premier League title against Liverpool anyway. Yeah. But if it is a two-year thing, I think after I, – I, I do think in the next couple of years, if it is a two-year ban, that you'll see you, – you will see some people filter out. But, like, guys like Rodri won't leave. You know, Sterling said he's not going to leave. I mean, maybe a guy like KDB, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, so somebody of, of his talent, uh, Aguero, probably would, would leave. I think Aguero's um, leaving anyway. Yeah, so, I mean, it seems like it. So wait, Yeah, I think, I think Aguero's going to Barcelona. No, I thought he Messi. was going back to Argentina. That's what I Yeah, to Independiente. Messi says he wants him. That's well, great. If Messi gets what he wants. So maybe you do realize that Barca- <laughs> Barcelona hired people on Twitter to um, promote anti-Messi sentiment, right? This came out today. Because oh, they Messi also, they makes the up, Messi makes up like Coutinho. Messi makes up 40% of their wages by himself. He, and he has way too much internal power. And I don't think the owners like it anymore because me- he's not having a good season. But me- Messi, Messi's a crook. Messi knew Neymar was leaving at his wedding and used that to raise his pay from 50 million to 75 million. Is it he- so wonderful that perception is way more important than reality. Everybody loves Messi because of the way he looks. He looks like an underdog. Everybody hates Ronaldo because he looks like an asshole and brilliant and rich and all this shit. But guess what? Has Ronaldo done any of this stuff? Has he been guilty of any of it? No. Okay. It's this uh, really case brought, brought against him. <laughs> I, I believe Ronaldo just like I believe Kobe. Okay? Prove me wrong. Moving I on. I can't really do Well, that's enough time on Man City. Let's, let's move on to Wolves right. Lester really quick. Zero zero yep. on this one. Absolute stalemate. Both sides, three shots on target. Seven corners for Wolves, zero for Leicester. And Wolves could not capitalize, even with the bigger back line that they have. Uh, 59% possession for Leicester. Wolves are now in eighth with 36 points. Leicester in third with 50 points. Shane, I'm going to go to you first. Who are you more impressed with this, this season? Wolves in eighth or Leicester in third? Um, I would say I'm more impressed with Wolves. Um, mm. Leicester City is a team that won the Premier League not too long ago, and that has resulted in them being able to invest in better players and replace the okay. players that they were lost who had one-off seasons. Um, Wolves, on the other hand, is a newly promoted side last season, and they pretty much got their same core team. They, they play a, a lovely game. They play a lovely passing game. And they've been persistent with Armando Traore, who's came on leaps and bounds. We knew that he came to the Barcelona system. We knew he had raw strength and and speed, but he definitely came along tenfold and is doing really well. So I think I'm more impressed with Wolves with their consistency year over year, and they play a really good brand of soccer. And they're still in the Europa League. They're in correct. The last, correct. So I think they play this Thursday. Um, I would love to see them get Europe again. I want them to see. I want to see them continuously get Europe, continuously attract these players that they're able to attract at the moment with uh, Nuno as their manager. You see a lot of Portuguese coming to the Prem now, and like you said, it's just a it's a great style of soccer. I really enjoy it, and um, it's just a great to see another team come, uh, competing against the top six. But um, yep. but Stephen, let's let's go to you. Um, 
speaking of that, do you think Wolves will make Europe? I mean, we have Spurs, United, Sheffield ahead of them. Arsenal are raising the, uh, rising the ranks. What do you think? Yeah, I think they will. Um, I mean, mainly now because of the Man City stuff. Um, have that one extra spot now. I, I think that they will. Uh, I'm, am I in Sheffield to get the last Champions League spot? I think just out of those four teams, they've seemed to be the most consistent so far this season. Um, and then I think Spurs is going to be the team that kind of falls off now with the the news that Suns are going to be out for the out for the year, um, missing yeah. him and Kane. That's just dude. That was the entire offense, you know, kind of coming into the season. So a little bit worried about them. So I think it's going to be a battle between United and Wolves. You know, who's who wants a who wants it more between those two teams? Don't forget about Sheffield. Don't sleep on them. But uh, well, I, I have them in I have them in uh, Champions League. Oh, that's right. I'll tell you, because of Man City. Because of Man City, baby. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, Carl, let's, let's uh, round it off with you for Leicester Wolves. Um, if you had to pick one for your team, Vardy, Vardy or Triore, who do you pick? Jamie Vardy, obviously. You pick Jamie he, Vardy. You mean with yes. the age? Yeah, me too. Are you, are you kidding me? Adam Triore is uh, a five-year-old that just snorted a bunch of Adderall and is trying to play FIFA on Ultimate Mode. Get the fuck out of here. I don't, I don't know what that means, but I liked it. <laughs> it means he doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, 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 Carl, Carl, I, I, you got to put some. Shane, it is my time. I will speak. You got to put some more. It's my time. On, on. You got, you got to go to Carl. Shane, let's go to Carl, then we'll go to you. I really enjoy Adam Atroyer. I really do. But I just don't trust him because he does not know how to exist within a structure. He is a guy that just wants to go. Now, when he was at Barcelona, he was way worse, way more ADD, way more single-minded. He went to Middlesbrough. I think he went to another team, and then he came to Wolves. Uh, But look, it's undeniable he's the most athletic player in all of Europe. I don't think anybody will dispute that, but I don't trust him as a player. He loses the ball an awful lot. He dribbles way too much. If he were to pick his spots – it would be an entirely different thing. I just don't think that's in his DNA, and I don't think it ever is going to be. There are some players that are simply so talented, but in their mind they're already legends that they're uncoachable. And I think I, he is no exception. I will just I, say I, that uh, <laughs> Jamie Vardy is 33 years old. Triori is 24. I think this is a breakout season for Triori. I think he has a few more uh, – what can I say? I think I think he's just gonna keep getting better and better and better. But Shane, let's go to you. I know you wanted to jump in. Yeah, because um, Card is just being very ridiculous. Um, Amanda Trio <laughs> is if you if, if you look at his body, right? He's a player who's just come into his body. Like he's huge for a soccer player and has to be on a very strict diet. On top of that, he has the attributes that you cannot teach. He has pace and he has strength, and he has he has a touch for someone of that size. He can hold the ball up. He can play a variety of positions. What you're going to see with Triori is he can play in any team, in my opinion, because he can play in the wing or he can play as a hold-up man. And once you get too close to him, he can turn you and beat you. What, what we've seen from him this year is when him and Jimenez are Jota on the same page, page, Sorry, he knows how to play that ball that allows them to score. And he's been doing that consistently over the season, which has reflected in them winning games and most of the time winning penalties or free kicks that allow them to capitalize. So... I'll definitely take Armand Traore. And the, the other reason for that is, at his age, Jamie Vardy was playing non-league soccer, right? 
And Jamie Vardy improved leaps and bounds in that short period. Exactly. So, so why do you think a player of Traore's caliber can improve and surpass Vardy? So does, does Traore make your team of the season? I'm going to ask Steven this question first. Does Traore make your team of the season, Steven? Uh, I don't think so. Not from not mine. He's having a he's having a good season, but when you look at the stats, he's you know it's four I think four goals, eight assists in the Premier League. But I mean, I've like two guys right away. Like, I, I would take Salah or Mares a season um, over over Traoré's right now, and they all play the same position. So you I only you would take, you would take Mares. Fucking Bleacher Report came up with yes. this. Came up with this team. You would take Mares. You would take Mares over Traoré. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Hundred percent. Yeah. Carl, would you say Traore is in your team of the season? Uh, fuck no. I, again, dude, this guy's so exciting. He's an electrifying player. But there's so much, like, Russell Westbrook, final three minutes of the fourth <laughs> quarter type shit going on here, dude. He's all about himself. He's always been all about himself. I'm sorry, Shane, but I've coached players like this. And until you have, you'll never truly understand that when you are talking to someone and all you know is that you're talking to a wall. And once you've experienced that, then come back to me and tell me what you think about Adama Traore. Because when Jane he's off, coach. He's the, I don't care. He hasn't done it for 12 years. When he's off, he is the worst player on the field. Carl, this, this, this is just like your Angola Kante bias. So I'm not even going to carry this on with you. Okay, even Alex Goldberg, who's like the worst person in the world, now agrees with me that we, that we should sell content. And I'm going to get to that, motherfucker. Mm. I'm going right, to get right, to that. We're wow. coming up to that. We're coming up to that. So that ends <laughs> with Wolves, Chelsea. We still have three more to go. That escalated quickly. <laughs> all right, we got Chelsea. Now, Shane's just trying to prove a point, and that's fine. He can do that. Hey, it's all in love. We had no, Chelsea I think so tonight. home to United. Uh, 2 nothing to uh, United in this one, unfortunately, for Carlito. Goals yep. from Anthony Martial. And goals from this guy named uh, Blockhead. I don't, I don't know who that is. But, the Lego uh, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Lego. <laughs> I forgot about that. I deserve uh, this. <laughs> I honestly, I watched this game. I thought Chelsea looked the absolute dominant side in most of the first half. They just couldn't yeah, put it in the back were. of the net, mainly yeah. because of uh, Misi Bashuai. But uh, they let off right before the break, and that's where Martial got his goal. No capo on this one again for the second game in a row, at least in the Premier League. Conte went off injured. He's Clearly are apparently out for a month with a groin injury, I think. But uh, Chelsea in this one, 61% possession, 17 shots, one on target, and nine corners. Carl, I'm just going to let you take the floor here and uh, talk about whatever you want. I mean, what's there to say? Number one, probably the worst lineup we've fielded in three years. Yep. And part of this is just the ego <laughs> of Frank Lampard. <laughs> Let, let the man speak, Shane. Let the man speak. Shane, don't worry. You, you can wax poetic about Arteta's first great win in a minute. Don't worry about it, buddy. Um, okay. I'm looking at the line. Why is Pedro playing over Mason Mount on the wing? That's for starters. Number two, Mishibashi, why? He's the worst striker in the league. Man, he's worse than when Welbeck played for United. And that was really bad. Um, number three, Olivier Giroud has had a, a row with uh, Frank Lampard. Shouldn't matter. It shouldn't matter. He should have played. Because even though he's slow, even though he's not a great pressing player, he never has been, the guy would get it done because he would body Eric Bailly and uh, Harry Maguire. He would have bodied him, and he did score. 
a goal. Okay. So those were all just really poor decisions on top of the fact that N'Golo Conte, I don't even think should be in this team anymore. I don't value him at the age of 28 is when your athleticism really starts to go at 28, 29. And this is Conte's fourth injury since June fourth injury. What does that tell you? That he's breaking down. What time and did he go off injured? Ten minutes. Ten oh, minutes. Ten minutes in. Ten okay. minutes in, right? And all of a sudden, our midfield starts looking a lot better. Um, you know. So, my last thing I want to say before I really get into it is this: when you're ninety percent, you need to play. This this millennial mentality that you have to be one hundred percent. And you can't even have a blister on your ankle in order to play is obscene. This was points wise, the most important game of our premier league campaign. We had to win this game to keep a two game gap between us and Tottenham. Four points is a two game gap. Okay. And for, for Frank Lampard to not push Tammy Abraham, Pulisic and Kyle Mudson and to play when they've been training for the past two weeks and Tammy Abraham played two weeks ago for him to not force them to play when they're 90% to me is bad management. That's him trying to be too progressive, be too uh, locker room friendly and all that shit. You know what you say to that player? Fucking put your boots on. You're playing. This is man United. Get a cortisone shot. I don't care. I don't care. If you're 90%, you're a hundred percent. You're playing. Yeah. Last- at, this, at this, at this point in the season, I think every player is, is going to be playing with a little bit of pain. You don't so you think Sadio Mane is 90%? But, but, but hold on, hold on, Carl. Carl, you, you're moving away from the issue. The issue was not who played I'm or who... I'm not done. I'm not done. He was poor and didn't score their chances. Case closed. I'm not... Yeah, Misha Bashawai, he didn't finish his chances. Tammy Abraham want to finish those. The last thing is the Kepa situation. This is going to get Frank fired if he doesn't start playing Kepa because the board is embarrassed. And if you know anything about Chelsea's board, as opposed to any other board in any other sports team in the world, Chelsea's board is very sensitive and very reactionary. Yeah, but Carl, Carlito, if you insult them, you can't start Capo when he has the worst save percentage in the league. You got to sit him down. You have to because he costs $75 million. Should we have spent that much money? No, but we did. Okay, and so you're making the board look really stupid for playing the worst keeper in the world over the most expensive keeper in the world. I don't care about the stats, Andrew. They never tell the whole story. Half of that is the defense's fault. That's not all Kepa. And you know that. Well, maybe this is just a statement from Frank because the board I know that, but the, there is a there has been leaks today, because this is all I read about is Chelsea. There were leaks today from the board to the media saying that if this continues to happen, Frank will be fired. And don't you think they won't do it? Because they will. Because That's not a problem. Up, when you pick he, up 15 points in 15 games on top of not playing the most expensive keeper in the world, it just, it just looks so bad. Because you can't justify dropping Kepa when you're not dropping yourself, Frank. Yep. Shane, but, but let's go to you. Let's, Shane, let's go back to Conte real quick. Let's kind of rein it in here. Yeah. Do you think yeah. that, he'll, that he'll be missed in this situation? Obviously, obviously. Angolo Conte is the best number six in the Premier League, without a doubt. <laughs> no, he's not. With, with, without a doubt. So, has, no, he, has he been playing as a six? 
No, he's not, and and I don't I don't understand the reason for that. Then I don't stop know. saying I agree he's a six. That. If he's not going to play it, then stop saying he's a six. I, I don't know why Olivier Giroud is not playing, but I'm I'm not going to let Carl off the hook that easily, right? So a few things happen in this game. Manchester United were fortunate to have some decisions go their way, which I happens. Don't care in, about VAR. Which 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 happens in any game? Yeah, but we 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 got to highlight the truth is the truth. But Carl, your team did not score their chances. That's just the bottom line. And organizationally, your team is poor. You keep saying, oh, condition and play, you had possession, the midfield looked better and all that stuff. Anthony yes. Martial, right? Anthony Martial, um, Christensen had just got his nose bloodied, so he was off the field. Your team lacked the awareness in order to protect him. No one looked at Martial. Christensen came running back on the field and had to mark Martial right away, and the cross came in and Martial scored. That should not happen in a professional team. So what's Those the awareness that you're talking about? What should they have done then, Shane? So one of your midfielders should have dropped. Jorginho, Kovacic. Jorginho, Kovacic, William. Someone should have dropped and, and be the extra boy there until he was back in the game. He literally ran on and the cross came in. It was literally was, five seconds after. Andreas Christensen was still marking him. Okay. But he had just come on. I don't care. It's his job to win the ball in the air. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Exactly. That's, that's your, your bias and your impracticality coming out there. No, that's me because I was a center back, too. So I kind of know what that position entails. Coach for Steven, 12 years. Steven, 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 let's move on to you real quick. And let's get some more, uh, more positive thing for, for Chelsea going forward. Um, they do have Hakeem Zayich coming in from, from AX. Uh, this is clearly good news. A lot of blues, especially on, on Chelsea Twitter, have been – absolutely uh thrilled about this signing so i mean what were your thoughts on him yeah i love him uh said it on the corlito podcast uh london is calling uh yeah i think it's gonna be a great move i think it's gonna be one of the better moves of the summer for any team to be honest i just think when you watch how he likes to play the game he is kind of exactly what that team needs from a delivery standpoint you know we when i when i see chelsea interactions on twitter i see a lot of just it's Tammy Abraham doing a lot on his own with not a lot of support. This guy's going to give him support. Like he is a creator. Yeah. He he lead, I think he leads the Dutch league in and chances created and assists. Um, and just the way he moves with the ball, it, it's awesome. He has such a good center of gravity. He ha- he's always under such control, and he has plays those crafty through passes that like Liverpool's kind of missing in that in that spot. But I think he's going to be a great uh, great addition to that team and. Whoever else they bring in this summer, it's that's definitely a, a good step, uh, first step forward. Excuse me. Yeah, he reminds me kind of like a flashier. I'm not going to say better, but like a flashier Kevin De Bruyne, just because he has the like a similar ability in terms of whipping a cross into the box or ripping a shot from the outside. That left foot of his is just a gift from God. I mean, this kid, yeah. this guy is yep. going to be, this guy's going to be really good in the Prem. I can't wait to see him. I mean, he was fantastic at AX, and they took the Premier, uh, the Champions League by storm last year. Yeah, so, and he's, he was he's one of so, the leaders of that team. Yeah, yeah, he's he's so good at turning too. And one thing I think uh, that I think Carl said on his podcast was um, he gives this team a little bit of that little swagger and that little bit of an edge that I think they need because they're so young still, and they I think they need somebody other than Asby that they can kind of lean to with a little bit of attitude. Yeah. Um, I would also just close this one out because <laughs> Shane obviously doesn't watch this team as much as I do. Um, look, I think Sancho is going to be the one that we really go for uh, at the end of the season. I don't want to 
I don't want to spend 140 million on a fucking player, but we are we are gonna have to because Man United will, and I don't think he wants to go there. So we're just gonna have to bite the bullet and spend a lot of money on that dude. Do we need him? Yep. We 100 damn good yesterday against PSG. Yeah, this is last guy. I know that Shane knows this guy. His name is Edward. He plays in he plays for Celtic. He's a big old striker. His first name is Udson. Udson Edward. You know him, Shane? May lost Shane. I think we lost Shane for a second. Yeah, he's a striker for Celtic. He's really good. And he won't he won't be uh, that expensive. So. Well, hey, Carl, I got to say, I appreciate you not saying anything about the referees. I'm, what's the point? It's, it's it irrelevant. Bad. You have to – no, you have to still score goals. Oh, no, 100%. No, 100%. You still have to score – I mean, Misi, bro. bro. I mean, they took one away from me too. <laughs> uh, you know, but that's VAR, bro. That's just VAR. I'm not going to blame the refs. I'm not going to blame VAR because, you know what? It's such a cheap argument. You got to put it on Misi. You got to put it on um, – Frank. Frank, and you got to put it on Pedro because they just weren't getting it done because those are not the type of personality. The, Hold on, Carl. The, the, I fucking was talking. Can you can you can you hear me? Yes. Yeah, we can hear you, dude. Dude, 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 you got you got to relax, man. You got to no, relax. You need to stop interrupting me. Like, like, that's not necessary, man. Look, it's not. Mishi and Pedro were the wrong decisions because they haven't played at all this season. They were rusty. He should have forced. Tammy Abraham to play because he played two weeks ago. He should have put Mount on the wing. They would have been a lot more well suited for this type of game. Dude, Mishi's so rusty, he looked like a Division three player. Yeah, but he yeah. could actually coach and put two up top and play Mishi and Giroud. Neither one of them have played a lot, but I still drew such a pro that he would have been fine. But Mishi is a guy that needs time. He is a guy that needs to play his way not into a game, into a season. And so just having him and Pedro out there was such a bad personnel move. They looked so out of sync, constantly playing balls behind or flubbing shots or falling down often. It was just yeah. really bad decision-making by Frank. And honestly, I would have also gone with Barkley up top. Throw something at them they haven't seen before. But Mishi, hell no. Well, hell they, have no. Some big, they have some big decisions. Frank has some big decisions coming up. I know they, they played Spurs this weekend. Um, and speaking of Spurs, let's move on to that game. Aston Villa at home to Tottenham. Uh, 2-3 this one to Spurs. Goals from Engels. Alderweireld own goal. Alderweireld also had his own goal. And then Son had two. Um, I actually was pretty back and forth. Very open game for uh, the whole 90 minutes. Um, Villa gave it a go. Villa gave it a go. Son had a late winner. Um, Engels, the center back, actually slipped. I think it was the 93rd minute. And Son just placed it in the bottom corner. Uh, unfortunately for Spurs, though, Son is out for the season with, I think, a fractured elbow. I don't know how he continued to play in this game, if that's the case. If he just kind of sucked it up or if they gave him a quarter zone shot or something. Oh, yeah. I have no idea. <laughs> but uh, 54% possession in, in, uh, in this one for Villa. They actually outpossessed Tottenham. Uh, typical Jose Mourinho right there. 18 mm. shots, four on target. 46% to Tottenham, 23 shots, 10 on target. Steve, I'm going to start uh, we'll start with you on this one. 
Um, you kind of mentioned it earlier, but it seems like this sun injury might be pretty detrimental to their uh, top four hopes. Yep, detrimental. I guess top five now. Yeah, de- detrimental to, to their hopes and mine and uh, in my fantasy uh, soccer. RIP to my team. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, it's, it's never easy when you lose your two best you know, uh, attacking options. You know what I mean? With Harry Kane gone, we thought that this team would, be, would, would still be okay and that they'd still play a good brand of soccer. Now they lost Sun. Uh, they did bring in Bergwin, who I I actually rate. He's really good. I, he's I like really good. I like yeah. him a lot. He, he's he's a good player, but um, I didn't really see enough from um, the other guy that got there. It was Fernandez Lucas on the other Moore. side? Uh, yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, Fernandez up Gets top, and then and then yeah, then now up top you have to run with Lucas Mora and and Deli Alley. I don't love like De- Deli Alley as one of your striking options. So I just I just think that right now they're shaky in the back still, even though Mourinho that's his you know that's his style is supposed to be good in the back. They're not good there right now, and now they're missing the two best like offensive players. It's it's going to be tough for them to even crack the top five or even just a Europa League spot. Yeah, I definitely see them kind of slipping down the pecking order. Um, I mean, I think Josie with Mourinho will do his best, but you even saw it today in the lights big game. They they gave it a go, but they just lacked that that quality without Son and Kane, but. Um, Carl, going to you, uh, I was going to ask you about the game this weekend, but we'll get to that in a second. What do you think about Jack Grealish? Do you think that he's going to make it on a big team? Um, does he make it to the England squad? Uh, he's wonderful. He's just absolutely wonderful. Uh, he's very creative. He draws a lot of fouls. He draws a lot of um, attention. And, yep. you know, when he used to wear his shin guards down to his ankles, right, those little uh, – Three-year-old shin guards that you can buy in, uh, on the Jets. The Ryan Haran. The Ryan Haran, right? <laughs> yeah, since he was doing that at like 19, because Villa's been in his blood for a really long time, you can just tell. But Jack Grealish has put on 25 pounds. The guy is a man. He's 24 yeah, years old. He looks dude, absolutely man. formidable. He's tough. He's assertive as hell. And his game has just gotten better and better. He is a wonderful all-action midfielder. I, I just love this player. I know that Tottenham's going to want to buy him. But I think he can aim higher. I think he can play on almost any team in England. Almost. Uh, I would love to have him, but I, I think Zayat is a little better right now. But Jack Grealish is not done accelerating his progress. I think that there's a couple more levels that he can get to. And I want to say that he's kind of like, um, oh, what would be the analogy of that with a basketball player? He's kind of like Devin Booker, you know? He's he's really good, but you know he's going to be great. Yeah, it's kind of coming into his own at the moment. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we'll see if he can uh, dig dig Aston Villa out of this relegation battle. They're currently 17th, so just outside with 25 points. But really, I'm on their tail with 24, as is Watford. Yeah, um, Shane, let's end this one with you. I know you're a big Arsenal fan, but what color is London right now? Oh, red. Always has. Always will be. <laughs> Anything to say about this game, Shane? No, no. Jose Marino going to Jose Marino. I mean, it's a relegation side. They should win. So, there's nothing much to say about Tottenham there. Yeah, it's definitely a much tighter game than I, than I expected by, by, that, by that account. But um, let's, let's move on to the last one here. Last focus squad here. Uh, Arsenal at home to Newcastle. Probably the best game of the season for Arsenal, I think. They, uh, they won 4 nothing. Goals from Obama Yang, Pepe, Ozil, Lacazette. 
all in the second half and all front four score for the Gunners. This has to be the first time that's ever happened, I'm assuming. But, um, yeah, like I said, best performance of the season. They're six points back from Spurs in fifth, which would, if the city ban uh, is, is, is allowed, um, which would get you into Champions League. But, Shane, I'm going to let you take the floor here, kind of talk about whatever you want. With yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm not going to focus on the obvious. Um, I'm going to focus on Shakur and Mustafi who's going to be sold this summer for about 45 minutes because all the big clubs are going to be after him because he's just such a great defender. Um, <laughs> the, the most important takeaway from this game was that Arsenal maintained a clean sheet. Um, Arsenal defense has been horrendous all season. And I think this is the second clean sheet in a row, which is the most important thing. And Arsenal looked a lot more organized. And I must say, whatever Mikel Arteta said to Ceballos finally got through. Because he was moving the ball like he wasn't doing those stupid flicks and 360 turns he likes to do on the ball. He was receiving it and playing it quickly. And the game was a lot faster, which allowed Arsenal to create chances. In addition to that, Nicolas Pepe is slowly coming into his own. It looks like he's adjusting to the Premier League. And we're seeing shades of the player we saw in Lille. As we all know, there's a lot, a lot of space in the Premier League to run behind defenders. You might get that once or twice per game. And he's showing that he's able to play in tight spaces. And he also did a really good job of tracking back and making sure he kept the pressure on Maxim, who's been playing really well for Newcastle and is a pretty rapid player as well. Um, the other thing i like to point out for Arsenal was Bakayoko Saka. Um, he had a wonderful game again. Um, he's just 18 years of age. Rising star. And, he's a rising uh, star. He, he def- definitely is. And th- the most impressive thing about him is he makes the right play. Um, physically, he's not there as yet. Um, as Carl mentioned with Jack Gears, he's put on like 25 pounds. And Saka definitely needs to hit the weight room and get a good diet because we could see him. He got knocked off the ball three or four times in that game. And even though he got knocked off the ball, he just got up, got right to it. And he had that ridiculous nutmeg that ended up in um, Lacazette scoring that ricochet goal. No, it was Pepe. He said hit Pepe on his goal. And he was also vital because he made that run that pulled one of the defenders away when Lacazette ended up scoring. Um, Mikel Arteta is making also the obvious changes. Something that he did that I was very impressed with, he benched Gwendouzi. I, I don't even think he was in the squad. And I think players like Gwendouzi needs to be benched because Gwendouzi does not think. Um, he has a bit of talent, but he has proven to be a very stupid player and he needs some tough love in order to be a good player or we're probably going to need to get rid of him. So Arteta is doing the right things. Um, finally, Meza Ozil had a good game and part of that was him getting the ball in the spaces where he can be effective. Um, Danny Sabellos was instrumental in that because he was getting the ball forward faster. And Aubameyang continues to show that even though he's playing on the wing, he can score 20, 25 goals per season easily. And a lot of people are critical of Aubameyang on the wing, but I don't have a problem with it. Because his holder play is atrocious, and he doesn't offer you that much going forward. He's more effective coming wide and facing goal. So I think him playing on the left or right is the best strategy. All right, hell of a take there, man. <laughs> Kid's pretty optimistic about Arsenal. It's kind of like easy it. for him to but, do uh, it when he doesn't have anybody interrupting him. <laughs> Yo, got him. <laughs> But Shane, what are your what are your thoughts on uh, Aaron Maitland Niles? I mean, I know you're a big fan of of Bakker, or not Bakary Saka, but Saka. But um, Maitland Niles has been having a great season as well. Did he play? No, in this no. Game? So, so the thing with Ainsley Maitland Niles is Una Emery has continuously played him out of position, right? 
we had him playing as a right back. We had him playing left back, which he's not. Um, what Mikel Arteta has done, he's brought Cedric in to be cover for Bellerin. And he also going to put Maitland-Nice in the center. So Maitland-Nice is going to be playing center midfield going forward, okay. which is natural position. Or he'll play right wing. So what Arteta did is just take him out of the firing line for a bit. He's in training sessions, practicing his position, and he has to fight for a spot in the midfield. Um, he's played a lot this season. I'm pretty sure he's going to play tomorrow, and I expect big things from him in the future. Stephen, going to you, um, are you as optimistic as Shane? I mean, they did just get back-to-back clean sheets for, I think, the first time all season. I mean, I'm optimistic. I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic for them long term because I do like the the young talent they have coming in between, you know, Niall, Saka, uh, Martinelli. Like, I, I like those guys a lot. I rate all of them. Um, but I mean, it's, it's Newcastle. Okay. So I guess I'm not going to get too crazy with a four, nothing win. Like they have been playing a lot better. Um, so I, so definitely there with you, but the biggest thing for me is that they did look better defensively. I know again, it's against Newcastle, but it seems like having Hector Bellerin back has helped a lot. Um, having him in the right back spot, uh, right back spot, having a little bit of leadership. And it seems like he's starting to figure out what his back four is between these four. It seems like he really likes these four together. So I think just now having that continuity of playing together all the time is just starting to reflect a little bit, starting to get used to each other, and now they're starting to put in some performances. Yeah, I agree. There was definitely a lot of rotation early on in the season. I know that they had some injuries. David Luiz got a red card. You know, Mustafi was just absolute shit. So now they finally have some time together, and you're starting to see them gel a little bit. I think David Luiz is kind of taking on the leadership role in the back. Um, granted, Jaka's back in the lineup, and he's just been absolutely phenomenal for the team. So, no, I'm very optimistic about this side as well. Um, Carl, let's go to you. Do you think that Arsenal will make will make Europe? Nope. They have 34 points. Europe would be four points away. Nope. <laughs> why not? Uh, because I dismissed them this season. That's why. <laughs> no, I, I just think it's going to be tough to come out of that hole. I mean, I just – when you look at the teams that are ahead of them, like Sheffield's – again, Sheffield's super consistent. Um, you know, United always plays well against the big teams. They do play like, you know, play like shit against the, the crappy teams. So we'll kind of see what happens with them. But I also really, you know, rate Wolves. You know, Wolves is kind of, you know, they started off the season pretty poorly, but now they're playing like they did last year. So I don't know. It's just going to be tough for them to make up the points. And I think they're starting too late to jump into Europe at this point. I think it, I, yeah, but if you look at Arsenal's next four games, they play Everton at home, they play West Ham at home, then they go to Brighton, and then they go to Southampton, and then they go and they're at home to Norwich again. So those those are the next five games. I think those are all very winnable for this Arsenal team. If they can put, if they can win four out of those five games, they are right in the running for it. Because God knows all these other teams are going to slip up. Sure, least. totally. But they still got to play. I mean, I don't know what their schedule is, but I know they're going to have to play some of these, like play some of those teams ahead of them. And I don't know if they're if they're good enough yet to, to jump ahead of them. But you guys are missing an important point. Arsenal still has the Europa League, which can be their way into the Champions League. No, very true. true. Thursday nights, though. Thursday nights are tough. Yeah. Where they play Olympic, they play Olympia. Yeah, tomorrow, 3 p.m. You guys should tune in to see some champagne football. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll end it on that one. But let's go to some other score lines real quick. Um, Southampton were at home to Burnley. Southampton has been playing really well recently, but they actually lost this one at home, uh, two to one. Ings had another goal that's 15 on the season in the Premier League for him. 
Um, Westwood had a goal. Vidra off the bench had a goal as well. Southampton at the moment are sitting 12th. They get leapfrogged by Burnley, who are now 11th. Burnley are uh, kind of making a little run now. I think that's the second win for them in a row, or maybe third win for Ginger Mo. I mean, he's getting the team back in order. I know in the beginning of the season, Stephen, you, me, Paul, I think even Shane were saying that Burnley has been somewhat of a disappointment. You know, those are they were one of the teams that you kind of feared going mm-hmm. to. Uh, you didn't like going to turf more, but uh, I mean, they're kind of they're kind of turning things around here, and um, I think they're definitely going to be out of relegation and uh, could get into the top ten. But Stephen, let's go to you for Everton at home to Palace. Yeah, the uh, yeah Everton getting it done again. Um, Calvert Lewin, he's playing so much better under under different coaching now. So looks like he's finally coming into his own after like feels like six years at Everton. Uh, Carlson, um, yeah, he, he, you know, had, he had a goal too, but it's funny to see Ben Teke on the score sheet. I forgot he was still playing. Um, <laughs> I but yeah, I mean, I mean, ultimately I, it's, I keep forgetting that Everton's in ninth place, man. Like they're, they're right there after their horrendous start. Shout out to my boy Dunk for getting them back into this position to get Ancelotti. Dunk. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, I, I do think that again, the teams ahead of them are definitely better than them, but this is kind of where we expected Everton to be at the start of the season was right around this area. So, you know, good for them to, for fighting all the way back up. Yeah. I still think they're missing that, uh, some key, some key points in, in their definitely. lineup, but, uh, definitely good to see them in the, in the top 10, even though, uh, at the end of the day, fuck Everton. Definitely. But, uh, <laughs> Carl, Carlito, let's go to you, Brighton at home to Watford. Uh, yeah. Tie game. Um, so so boring, dude. DeCorey should not be on that team. Dude. Yeah, yeah. DeCorey's dope, man. Yeah. He's, he's gone. You know he's gone. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, look, this is the way that I look at it. And you could say the same thing about Danny Ings, right, which is um, the game that Andrew had was just talking about. Danny Ings is 27 years old. He has 15 goals this season already. He'll probably end up with 22. This guy is going to be a $60 million player. And that's the goal, right? Same thing with Decor. I mean, you look at these guys that are on these shitty teams that shouldn't be on these shitty teams. Jack Reeler, same thing. Okay, same exact thing. I just appreciate that they're standing out when their teams are not. You know, for a lot of players like Wilfred Zaha over the last three or four years, he hasn't been terribly productive, even though I know how great of a player he is. I feel like his lack of teammates around him. Yes. It, it kind of hurts his attitude and it hurts his approach to the game. Yep. It's great to see players like Corey, like with Charleston, because I don't think that Everton's actually been that great either, right? Uh, right? And Danny Ings, these guys are rising above the rest of their team, and you don't often see that, especially with younger millennial-type players. So Agreed. when you do see that, you have to appreciate it. Okay, so that's what I have to say. Boring yeah, game, though. 1-1. So off. boring. I was like, excited to watch it because I thought they would kind of beat the shit out of each other, and it was yeah. such a boring no. game. But No thanks. One, one thing I want to say, though, really quick, uh, speaking of Danny Ings, now that Rashford's gone, he's got to make the England squad, right? For Maybe. Euros. Maybe. Yeah. Either him or Vardy. Uh, no, Vardy's retired from, from international, yeah. so yeah, he should. I'll be shocked. I hope he does, man. I love him. They're going to take at least two strikers, right? It's going to be Abraham and who? Callum Wilson? No way, bro! No way! It's got to be Danny Ings. You cannot put it. You cannot put it past England to take um, Calvert Lewin or one of those guys. They probably will. Oh God! God. Uh, I forgot about Calvert Lewin. He's good too, though. He's pretty good. Let's let's go to you for the last game of the weekend. Uh, Sheffield at home to Bournemouth. 
Yeah, uh, Sheffield continue their strong season. Um, Bournemouth had a little bit of a resurgence. Um, Nathan Aki is back for them, which has solidified their defense quite a bit. But um, as, as Steven mentioned earlier in the pod, uh, Sheffield is going to be in the Europe next season. And it's, um, it's really impressive to see how they play that back three. But they play the back three so fluidly in that they all rotate sometimes. And it's it's really hard to navigate their defense. And um, they, they, they have that, that little midfielder. What's his name again? With a left foot. Um, it's, it's the, yeah, Fleck. Fleck. Um, Fleck switches the ball like, like no other. Um, I can also see him going into a top side as well. Because um, he definitely commands the midfield and switches play intricately. So Sheffield continues their strong season. And for a team that was just promoted, um, I'm impressed with their performance. And I'm glad to see that they showed faith in the players that helped them come up and as well as showed faith in their coaches and their style of play. Yeah, and, and that guy they got in the transfer window was like the perfect signing for them, I think, to add to that center midfield spot. They got Sandenberg from um... – uh, what team was he from? Liverpool played him in the Champions League, but uh, he he's such a good signing for them because he's physical. He plays their brand of soccer, and it was just like the perfect move for them at a pretty cheap price. I think it was like forty million, so it was perfect. Correct, correct. Just... Yeah, Chris Wilder's been doing a fantastic job, and I think he's definitely in the running for Coach of the Year. I think it has to be Klopp at this point, but who knows at the end of the season? Yep. Uh, let's let's preview game week twenty seven. So this is this coming. Andrew, weekend. can I say can I say um, one thing before we before we? Yeah, of okay. Uh, the season's two thirds over. You guys have already <laughs> penciled in who's going to get Europa, who's going to get relegated, who's going to get top four. It is not that simple. One loss, and Sheffield is. Ooh, I want to say ninth. One loss if everybody yeah, below they have, them wins. They have 39 right now, yeah. One no, loss. They are ninth. So, true. But they also have a better goal difference than all of the other teams down there. Only Manchester United has a similar goal difference. So, Two losses, and they're definitively ninth. So, you guys, this top 10, or let's just call it what it is, the top 10 through 4 is very close. It's wide open. Oh, yeah, it's wide open. It's I just, very that's close. So I'm not penciling in shit. Yeah. Oh no! You should. You definitely yeah. shouldn't pencil anything in. It's just definitely. It's just what my. What, you know, my expert opinion, which is probably going to be right. This is this is England. This is England, <laughs> baby. This ain't Celta Vigo and Spain and La Liga. Now nah, this is England, man. It is as volatile and as unpredictable as it gets. That's why we watch. It's a man. volcanic. Right, let's preview. Let's preview this weekend. Um, we're going to start with the game of the week. Uh, Chelsea at home to Spurs. We're going to yes. pick a score line here. Um, I'm actually going to take Chelsea on this one. I'm going to go two to one to the, to the Blues at home. I think, Carly, to correct me if I'm wrong, I think Tammy will be back for this one. So I think that makes a huge difference for the yeah, Blues. moving. Can we stop um, the background noise? <laughs> That's me. Sorry. Uh, yeah. So, so Tammy, I think he's. I think he's back. I don't know if Hudson and Doyle will get the start, but. Um, mm. It'll, good, it'll be good to have him back. I think he gets on the score sheet. And uh, I think Willian gets on the score sheet as well after his abysmal performance uh, last week against Manchester United. But, Carlito, let's go to you. What do you what's your score line? 3-1 here? Tottenham. Whoa. 3-1 Tottenham? Yeah. So you've lost all faith. No, I'm just being honest. Frank Lampard. No, I'm just being honest. Frank is so fucking arrogant. He's going to play a shitty lineup just to stick it to the board. And eventually it'll be to his demise. 
That's what that's what Chelsea does, dude. They don't they don't suffer fools. Period. So Frank wants to test it by all means, and I know he will because he's got that big of an ego. <laughs> Interesting, Steven, Steven, who are you taking this one? Well, I thought Chelsea was going to win convincingly last week to uh, to United. Um, I I think I'm, I think Chelsea's at home, right? It's at the Bridge. I'm gonna I'm gonna go yes. Chelsea two, Spurs one. I think it's gonna be a nail biter with Tammy getting a late goal at the end. Shane, it's gonna be a three three draw. Woo! I like that. I like to see that. I like to see a lot of goals. Yep. Uh, I'm going to take this next one. Burnley is at home to Bournemouth. Uh, I think Burnley continue this little winning streak that they're on. I think Bournemouth will struggle against them creative, uh, creatively. I'm going to go Burnley two nothing at home. Um, I don't know who's. I don't know who the hell is going to score in this one, but uh, it's going to it's going to be a bloodbath. I mean, <laughs> Burnley's forwards are going to are going to be really cruel to the to the Bournemouth. You think players. Burnley's going to score two goals in a game? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Wood up top is going to get a couple, right? What's that? Wood, Wood up top is going to get a couple of goals. Chris Wood, yeah, he might, he might. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. I have no idea. Uh, Shane, let's go to you. Crystal Palace at home to Newcastle. Yeah, this is this is going to be um, a very interesting game, and I'm going to go with Newcastle. And the reason why I'm going with Newcastle is Newcastle had a few recent additions that's going to make them better. Maxim's playing really well, and they added um, Nabil, what's his name, who played for Tottenham um, in the center mill. Um, Bentaleb, Nabil Bentaleb in the center. And they also added the, the right back, who Saka totally embarrassed from Inter. But um, with those additions in a week of training and the way Newcastle play, they're going to definitely get behind that Crystal Palace back line, and it's going to be a 2-1 Newcastle win. Mm-hmm. Tough place to play, Palace, but uh, we'll see if that one's right. Uh, Carl, let's go to you. Sheffield United at home to Brighton. Who do you? Who do you Sheffield four two for sure. They just have the quality. Everybody knows it. If all four people on this podcast know it. They're going to score four. They may concede two, but it doesn't matter. I love it. I love it. Southampton. I'll take this one. Southampton at home to Aston Villa. Um, I'm going to go two two on this one. I think that. I think Danny Ings gets another goal. The guy is just absolutely on fire, and he wants to make the England squad for the Euros. Um, I think Jack Grealish will be um, – he'll, he'll, like Carlito said earlier, he'll be uh, grabbing attention from that Southampton defense, but I don't think it'll be enough for the win. 2-2 at Southampton, Aston Villa. Steven, why don't you take this one, Leicester at home to Man City? So <clears> – <throat> I'm kind of going back and forth on this game. I think when I, when I look at it, like on paper, I'm thinking City. Uh, but Leicester needs this game more, you know, and hungry dogs run faster, right? So, <laughs> um, shit, I can't believe I'm actually going to do this. Yeah, I'm going to take Leicester to win one nothing at home, even though they're probably going to lose like 4 nothing. but I'm going to take Leicester. <laughs> uh, Shane, let's go to you. United at home to Watford. Yeah, um, Manchester United versus Watford. It's going to be a game of um, teams way down the Premier League tail. Manchester United has no identity, and they play that long ball, counter-attacking style, which they would struggle against a team like Watford, given the athleticism of players like DeCorey. And Chordini is going to grab a brace, and it's going to be a 3-1 Watford win. Ooh, I smell a better of the week. I think, I, I think you should put a thousand on it, Andrew. Go big or go home. 
Wow. <laughs> All right, go Havsy on, uh, on it with me. Uh, Carlito, let's go to you. Wolves at home. Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't know why someone in this podcast said that the Wolves play pretty attractive football. <laughs> no, they don't. Um, but they are the fastest team in the Premier League. They'll outrun Norwich. Norwich will try to play pretty soccer. Wolves will simply run them over with their athleticism. 2-1. It'll be a fun game, though, because it'll be contrasting styles. And we'll see a Demi Traore play. Yeah! Get your popcorn, dog. He'll <laughs> probably play five minutes in the final, in the final five minutes. Um, uh, Shane, I'm going to go to you for this one. Arsenal at home to Everton. Mm. All right, this is, is going to be a thrilling game. You know, Wally Walcott, Alexi will be going to be back to the Emirates. Arsenal is going to win this game four goals to two. Aubameyang. Four goals yeah. to two. Big yeah, Aubameyang hat-trick. You heard it here first. Ninth against 10th here. Ninth against 10th. That's an upset as well. Steven, why don't you uh, round us off with Liverpool at home to West Ham? Uh, it's going to be 2-0 Liverpool. Um, I think it's, again, it's going to be a tough one to grind out. Uh, West Ham's going to play a 4-4-2. Um, and it's going to be up to our outside backs and our wingers to create something. So it's going to take us a little bit to break it down, but just because West Ham's so poor, we will eventually break it down. Uh, 2-0 Liverpool. Love that scoreline, 2-0 Liverpool. All right, let's finish off this episode with some quick fantasy picks and upsets of the week. I'll start my fantasy pick. I agree with Steven. I think Liverpool win 2-0. I think Sadio Mane gets both two goals from Mane. Um, Steven, your fantasy pick of the week. Danny Ings, he, he wants he wants the England spot. He's um, carrying Southampton right now. Um, they're rising up the table. Let's go. Carlito, fantasy pick of the Charleston, week. Charleston, two goals. They can't handle him. They fucking can't. You're going to tell me they can? Good luck, dude. Good luck. Shane, your fantasy pick of the Pierre week. Pierre Emerick Aubameyang. Hat-trick incoming, baby. Woo. Wow. All right, so let's finish off with the bets of the week or upsets of the week. I will start. I'm taking Leicester over Man City. Uh, if you're a better like myself, that's plus 335 on the money line. You know, you would put ten bucks down, you win thirty-five bucks. So that's uh, not not a bad turnover for me. Um, I'm taking Leicester over Man City at home. Um, Carlito, who is your bet or upset? I'm putting one hundred and fifty dollars on Everton. Anybody want to take that bet? Anybody want to take that bet? Easy money. I'm taking that bet. Done. And wow. You all heard it, folks. You all heard it. Straight up bet? Yeah. Don't yeah, straight up absolutely straight up bet. Don't worry. I'll just turn my Chelsea blue inside out. I'll be an Evertonian for one day, baby. Holla. Mercy side. It's blue. It's blue. Shane, Shane who's your who's your up? Uh, don't, don't, don't get crazy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mercy side's never been blue. <laughs> never. <laughs> but uh, you know, London hasn't been red since two thousand three, so who knows? We all live in a fantasy factory here now. Apparently, we don't tell the truth. Let's get uh, it. <laughs> all right. Before, I, yeah. Um, West Ham is gonna upset Liverpool. Robert Snodgrass is gonna score, and we're gonna have a, a, a Mikel Antonio header to win it. You heard it here first, guys. Uh, there you go. Don't don't bet on that game, you folks at home. Stephen, why don't you finish this up, finish this off? So I was originally gonna take Brighton, but I talked myself out of that. I'm actually gonna take Villa to beat Southampton at home. If you take that game straight up, Aston Villa is plus 400. I love that. Walk to the bank with 50 bucks. 
Walking to the bank. We're laughing to the bank. So that uh, rounds us off here for the Footy Weekly Podcast. Thank you, Carlito from the London is Calling Podcast for joining us. Any last words? Uh, yeah, just don't make sure you don't drive to the bank. It'll probably cost you fifty dollars to get there. Sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, yeah. My last thoughts are uh, our greatest ever player, Lampard, is severely letting me down. Um, I question his decision making because he is allowing his heart to affect his mind. He's taking things personally because he did not get the players he wanted in January. Quite frankly, Ajax was not going to leave Zayas to us in January. Plain as that. Jaden Sancho wasn't going to leave BVB until the end of the season. Ben Chilwell is not leaving Leicester until the end of the season. Can we get them at the end of the season? Yes, we already got Zeke. We're going to get Sancho. But Lampard's being a baby about it. Buddy, you're 44. Get over it. All right, if I can get over it and I'm an emotional human being, you can get over it, dude. Buck the fuck up because we cannot get – Europa League again. I am not interested in watching Thursday games because it's bloody embarrassing. That's my final thought. Love it. A lot of a lot of fire from Carlito in this episode. Let's go to another guy for those, some last words that had a lot of fire as well. Shane, last words. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually looking forward to this week of games. Arsenal coming into their own. We've already established that Liverpool has won the league. So everyone is just fighting for seconds. Should be a good week in the Prem. Love it. Steven. Yeah, this episode definitely got contentious, and I loved every minute of it, so I appreciate everybody involved. Um, yeah, it's going to be two really big games. I'm really interested to see what shakes out. Uh, tough week for Liverpool, but all these quote-unquote top Reds accounts on Twitter, chill the fuck out. We lost like our first game in like six months. Like, Take a breather. Thank we're gonna, you. We're going to be fine. We lost one game, one nothing on the road. We've come back from worse. Like... Chill the fuck out. Hey, tell your head cheerleader Stevie Nickel to chill the fuck out, dude. He's the one that's leaving yeah. that charge. <laughs> yeah, that's the, you, man. The worst oh game in 12 months. <laughs> you know what that's you doing? That's you humble bragging, but it's disguised as hyperbole. You're really yep. just bragging because your standards yep. are so high that one loss is the end of the world. Shut up, Stevie Nickel. Mm-hmm. I see right fucking through you, you human paraquat. All right, that's all yes. I got. Well, that, that's ESPN. I hope Stevie Nichol is listening to this podcast, but I wouldn't want to be West Ham this weekend. I'll just Me say neither. That. Liverpool are going to come out firing. <laughs> but thank you all for joining us. That rounds us up. See you. Peace. Peace.